Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. I hope you have amazing things planned um, for your family or yourself or just all alone sitting watching a Christmas show. I don't know, but I'm hoping you're going to have a great Christmas time. Um, so we are wrapping up this series called Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. But before I jump into that, will you guys do me a favor? There really are a lot of people watching online. Will you put your hands together and help me welcome them into the house? Watch it on Church Online platform, Facebook, YouTube. We love you guys. Thanks for being with us. Merry Christmas right where you is in your PJs, probably, in your PJs. How many of you have ever been around a newborn baby? Beyond, now, if it ain't a newborn, don't be lying like a toddler or something, but a newborn, because there's something specific about a newborn baby that as they get older, it doesn't happen. Newborn babies are always the most annoying creatures on the planet. And the only time that somebody ever says, oh, they look so peaceful, is when they're asleep, and as you grow up, you realize they're not really sleeping, they're recharging. That's all they're doing. They, they've actually done, now I did read this, whether it's true or not, because let's be honest, can you believe anything you read nowadays? But I did read um, the, an article where they were measuring the brain waves of people and they were trying to find the most annoying sound that messed with you the most. Now you might think, if you've seen Dumber and Dumber, you might think it was that noise, but it's not that noise from Dumber and Dumber. Um, they actually discovered, they say, that the cry of a newborn baby, specifically the cry of a newborn baby causes the most disruption in your brain waves than any other sound on the planet. Is that not crazy? And listen, when we brought our kids home, the first, you know, that, that newborn, they first come home and you're like, oh, you're so wonderful. And then like at 2 a.m., there's this sound. Anyone? Anyone? There's this sound. And all dads respond to the sound the same way. Go, go. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? And for the first few weeks when she's feeding the baby like only moms can feed, right? There, she's feeding the baby. It's a fair game of, you, I, there's nothing I can do. I've got nothing. Go help the child, help the child. And, but uh, you still don't sleep through it, dads, but I've learned something. If you're getting ready to be a new dad, listen. If you go through intensive training, you can learn to sleep through the sound of a newborn baby. It takes a little training, a little practice, but it, it's there. Babies, babies are, you know, <laughs> they really are. If you've ever had one, you know that newborn babies are pretty, we say they're cute, maybe, mostly not. Um, they, they just cry a lot and they breathe. I've never met a newborn baby or a family where the newborn baby brought peace and tranquility into the home. A newborn baby does the exact opposite. It brings chaos and disruption and arguing between the spouses. I mean, it's just like, oh, they're so cute. No, they're not. I hate this child, right? It's just all of this. Okay, so a, a baby does that, but then you look at baby Jesus, and he's born, and the angels have the audacity to show up with a newborn baby and declare something that's the exact opposite of what we all know really happened, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 13 says this, suddenly, and this is where the angels are, are, are singing in the, in the fields, you know, with the shepherds, if you guys know the story, if you don't, come on. Anyway, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, all these angels, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Thank you. Um, how's, how's this? Yeah, um, and on earth, look, look what they declare, and on earth, peace to men on whom fate, his favor rests. And I read that, and you're like, 
Seriously, peace? Peace, really? And when you think about what was going on in that day and time, all right, the history of it, we've talked about you know, taking things out of context and not taking things out of context. Look at the history of what was going on. When the angels stand up and declare, peace, you had Caesar Augustus ruling, right? And so he, they were under a military faction. They were, there was, it was not peaceful at all. And then there is the time to pay taxes. Everybody loves that. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy. And so I get to pay taxes. Under the Roman rule, they paid more than half their income back in taxes. Ooh, how many know that would make you just a little bit crotchety, right? You'd be like, hmm, I want my money, right? And on top of the taxes, then they had to go to their hometown because Caesar had this great idea. You know, let's do a census while we're all taxed up. Let's count everybody. So Mary and Joseph had to go back to their hometown of Bethlehem where they all started. And there's such a crisis in their family. There's so much struggle and strife in their family that because Mary gets pregnant out of wedlock, and I know all of you were like, but she was, she was impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit and it was a virgin birth. Right. But try selling that to your mama. <laughs> no, I promise, mom, it was the Holy Spirit. Right. What's his name? Right. And then Joseph's family, same thing. They're engaged. They're not married. What did you do to her? It wasn't me. It was him. Right? I mean, how do you sell that? In fact, there's so much family strife because of this. I mean, this is like a big deal. When they go back home to their hometown, no family lets them stay with them. Let, process that for a second. That's just a historical fact. They had to stay. Why were they in a manger? Because no family would take them in because they were pretty much at this point not accepted because what had happened made, them, made their life less peaceful, more chaotic. And you have this angel show up and say, look at all the chaos. Everything's falling apart. Peace, aren't you glad? Peace. And he puts peace in there. And so we, we have right now in our... In our uh, relationships. We've been talking, let's see, the first week we talked about manipulation. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Some of you are here because you were manipulated to come. Glad you're here. Um, manipulation. And then last week, does anybody remember what we talked about? We talked about just a family of dysfunction and how to, how to put fun back in dysfunction. And so we have these relationships right now, whether you realize it or not, most of you probably realize it. There are, there's strife in our relationships. There's dysfunction in our relationships. There's things right now, whether they broke up with you, you're breaking up with them. They cheated on you, you cheated on them. There's divorce. There's a friend that talked bad about you on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. What Back and forth, all this, and there's strife. And we say, we come to this time of year and we see the nice billboards, love, joy, peace. And we're like, peace? I haven't experienced peace. There ain't been peace in my home since the Reagan administration. You know what I'm talking about? Way back, I gotta go way back. Peace, there ain't no peace in my home. And it's because, here's the reason why. Because we're trying to apply a spiritual kingdom, Jesus life to a cultural definition of peace. And they don't line up. Here's the, here's the, I say worldly definition, this is just straight from the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary. Peace, freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility. Oh, and we say yes, 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 peace, peace to all. And we think of this idea of peace, of Calgon, take me away. How many really old people, you gotta be really old to even understand what I'm talking about there. Uh, but Calgon, take me away, or Pete, we think peace is sitting in a garden, sipping some flowery tea, meditating on the deep thoughts of Jack Handy. You know, all of these things, just peaceful things. 
And that's, that's a definition of peace, but that's not the kind of peace that Jesus brought, nor is it the kind of peace that we have available to us. Here's a definition of peace, a biblical definition. Peace is not a lack of external conflict, but rather a lack of internal conflict with God. See, when somebody's truly at, at not experiencing peace, it's because there's a conflict in their heart between them and God. And this is what Jesus did. When Jesus came, he, made, he cleared the air between man and God, and he made, watch this, he made peace plausible. He, he cleared the air between man and God and made peace plausible. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Listen, it's this internal peace that we're talking about, and this internal peace is what will get us through the craziest times in our life and in our society. I'm going to tell you about three different kinds of peace. You ready? I don't know. They're not paying attention. I'm going to give you three different kinds of peace. Are you all ready? Yes. I like you. You're my new favorite section. I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling. You're in the middle. We'll see. Lukewarm spew you out. I don't know. All right. Here's, here's the first kind of peace. There's a peace in God. Peace in God. Romans 15, 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and what? Joy and peace as you trust not on him, not about him, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know, you might say right now, you're sitting here or you're at home watching and you're like, oh, I put my peace in God. God is my peace. He's my peace. He's my peace, homeboy. He's all that. You want to really know where you put your peace and your well-being? Take it away for a minute and see what happens. You will freak out if your peace is in the wrong thing. For example, does anybody remember the beginning of 2020? Does anybody remember, say, oh, if my memory serves me correctly, around March? And all of a sudden, things were taken away? Just nod at me. I, I lived it too. Things were taken away. I'll take one example. Sports were taken away. People lost their ever-loving minds. Come on. People, because they put so much, oh, if I could just chill out and watch a ball game for a little bit and just kind of unplug and unwind, and then that's taken away, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And the list goes on and on and on, different things taken away. And you know which one really affected you when that thing was taken away, and you lost your mind. You freaked out. But it's not just stuff. Sometimes we can put our peace in the wrong person. We can put it in a person rather than God. When I was, uh, in, we were in Florida, and uh, I was the second pastor in line. You know, I wasn't the lead pastor. I was the executive pastor. And the senior pastor, the lead pastor, he was out of the country on a missions trip. And a lady in our church, a great lady, her name was Diane. And Diane's son, he was an older teenage boy, 
he died in a car wreck. It was just a tragic thing. And I got the call, obviously, because I was, you know, the next pastor in line. And I was young. I had never done, I had never done anything like that before or whatever. And so I go over to her house, and I sit down. And, and of course, she's, I mean, obviously crying and upset and all that, and rightfully so. And I sit down next to her, and I'm young. I don't even, I think I'm more nervous and upset than she is, because I don't even know what I'm doing. And I sit down next to her, and I'm just like, and she's an older lady, and I was just like, I'm going to hold your hand. You know, she's like, I don't know what to do. And I held her hand, and she's crying. She's not losing her mind, but she's crying. You know, she's grieving. And I, I looked at her, and I said, Diane, can I be honest with you? She said, yeah, Craig. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, that's okay. She's holding my hand. She's crying. I said, Diane, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. She said, it's okay. And she's like consoling me. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. She said, it's okay. She said, it's okay. And she taught me, this wise lady taught me something that day. She said, Craig, do you want to know why I'm not freaking out right now? I said, yeah. She said, I'm crying. I'm grieving. I, I miss my son already. It, it's hard. She said, but I learned a long time ago to never put my peace in anybody, but to put my peace in Jesus Christ. Because he's the one thing that will never leave me, never forsake me. And it was just like, I have sat with people since then, people who are financially destitute and, or people who have lost somebody really close to them. And those people, it's like the other side of the spectrum. They don't make plans to get out of the financial ruin. They don't grieve properly the lost one. They just lose their mind because they put their faith and their peace in things and people rather than in God. And look, God is the only thing. Check this out. He's the only thing that won't get shaken. Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, the kingdom of God, which cannot be shaken, say amen there. Amen. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. All right, so if you want real peace in difficult times, Put your peace, make sure your peace is in God and with God, not in anything else. You ready for the second kind of peace? Are you? Are you? Okay, okay. Here's the second kind. Peace with God. So it's not just our peace is in God. Our peace needs to be with God. Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace... Like I said, Jesus came to clear the air between God and man. And that's that peace that we experience. And I love this. He says, when you accept that peace, when you start a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are justified. That, this is a great theology word, okay? And if you would learn this word, it would change your life. Because here's what it means. It means when you get saved, he justifies you. He makes it just as if you've never sinned. I'm going to explain this for a second because... If you're justified. He makes it just as if you've never sinned. I'm going to say it one more time. When you get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, according to this verse, it, he makes you, Jesus makes you just as if you've never sinned. Now let me tell you why I repeated this three times. Because even yesterday we were doing prayer here, we gathered for prayer, and we got talking about sin. And we got talking about how so many good Jesus-loving people have wasted so much time and effort trying to come out from underneath sin. When they've already been justified. Just as if they've 
never sin. But they put so much effort and energy into coming out from underneath sin, struggling with sin. Oh my goodness, what if we put that much effort and struggle into loving God? There's a St. Augustine. Anybody remember him? Anybody go to school with him? Probably not. Early church father. He said this on this topic. He said, love God and do whatever you want. It's really quiet in here. Love God and do it. Because some of you are like, oh no, we need more rules. We need more rules. St. Augustine said, love God and do whatever you want. Because a heart that is in love with God will not do anything to offend the father. It's just a different mindset. It's not, oh, I got to stop doing this. Why are you so focused on what you got to stop doing? Why don't you just turn and start focusing on who you want to start becoming? I don't know. I like struggling with my sin. It's just what I'm used to. See, we, you lose your peace when you think you've got to earn the blessings of God. We, we, it's kind of like, <laughs> we kind of treat Jesus a whole lot like Santa Claus. Because we tell our kids, be good and you'll get gifts. Let me rephrase that. We manipulate our kids. We, you don't like, you know, nobody's like, ah, that was funny. Holy crap, that was me, right? We, we manipulate our kids because they're acting up. So we say, if you'll be good, then Santa will bring you presents. <laughs> and we think, deep down in our subconscious, we're thinking, listen, if God is going to manipulate me with his blessings, I might as well manipulate my kids for their gifts. You don't have to like it. It's just the truth, isn't it? It's just the truth. And we manipulate instead of realizing that God never set any of it up that way. Your loving Heavenly Father is not trying to manipulate you into doing good things. He's not trying to manipulate you to act right to receive the blessings of the King. I didn't buy my kids gifts this year. Well, let's be honest. I didn't buy, Patty bought all of them. I, I, didn't, I didn't buy my kids gifts this year because they acted right. Could you imagine? Could you, could you imagine? If we only bought our kids the gifts that they truly deserved? They, they wouldn't be jack under any tree in the world. And imagine if you only got the blessings that you deserved. You don't deserve anything. I don't either. But aren't you thankful for a loving God that does not try to manipulate our behavior to receive blessings? He just blesses us with the peace of God day after day after day after day. He doesn't manipulate us. He does not. The fastest, the fastest way to lose your peace in God, and I've seen this over and over again, the fastest way to lose your peace in God is to start thinking you have to earn your position in Christ. When you start thinking, I have to earn this, I have to act a certain way, no, you've been justified. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you are justified by faith, by grace. And the old church lady in the building, I can hear her shouting from the hilltops. I object, Pastor Craig. I object in the name of Jesus Christ. Because if you just say love God and do whatever you want, they're going to go cray cray. They're going to fall off the rails. They're going to do all these things that they know they shouldn't do. It's just bad. It's going to be bad for everybody. We need more 
rules. And to that I would say, find another church. This is not in my notes, but let me tell you this. Paul said this in Romans. He said the only reason the law, the Old Testament, the law was given was to show us sin. So that's all it is. And think about it. Anytime there's a rule, all it's doing is pointing out the wrong side. Do not enter. Immediately, you see a sign, do not enter. If you're like me, you're thinking, I wonder what's behind the door. <laughs> right? Come on, you do too. You're like, I do wonder, right? And so it makes you, it entices you, it tempts you to look behind the door. It's just what's in us. So instead of focusing, get the peace of God, you will lose your peace if you're trying to find what's behind the door. Realize, stop reading the sign. How about you just look into the eyes of Jesus Christ who came to this earth for you and births peace in you. You have been justified by faith, just as if you've never sinned. Love God and do whatever you want, because if you genuinely love God, you will do nothing to offend the Father. It's a beautiful quote. All right. You ready for the third, the third piece? <laughs> Are we having fun yet? This one might hurt. Okay, okay. Lead up to that one, right? Um, here's the, th the third one. Peace of God. The peace of God. Now, before I even read the scripture, before I even go into this, understand that we've done peace in God, peace with God, but now this is talking about the actual peace of God. It's not, it's not a, it's not a something you have to find or somebody else. No, no. It's actually the very character of God. Peace of God. Check out this verse, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace Whose peace is it? It's, it's God's peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a multifaceted thing. You need, you need to understand this, this, will, this will actually help somebody. The, pe the, the mind, the peace of God is a multifaceted thing. It doesn't just help you through dark days. It doesn't just help you that. It actually, according to this verse, what does it do? It actually guards your heart and your mind. And if you're like me, which I think you are, our minds tend to worry. Just let that sink in for a second. Our minds tend to worry. And it, I, think, I think worry is like the, the favorite sin of Christians. Because Jesus tells us, right, don't commit adultery. Okay, he says that you were my favorite section for so long. You were with me, and now you're not. Are all of you committing adultery? I don't know. Not asking. Don't raise your hand. I'll go over here. Jesus tells us not to commit adultery. Amen. They love their spouses. All right. He tells us not to lie, not to cheat. He tells us all these things. And in these same lists of things not to do, he says, don't worry. But worry, worry has become like the favorite Christian pastime. We get together. Hey, what do you want to do tonight? Well, you know, I, we can't go out because of COVID and stuff. I think we should just sit around and, and worry. Let's just sit around and I'll go first. I'll tell you what's really got me concerned. I'll tell you what I read on Facebook today. I don't know if I believe it, but let's talk about it anyway. <laughs> Scaring the socks right off of me. And 
I'm, I'm worried about this. What are you worried about? Let's talk. Let's just sit together and wring our hands and worry. And maybe we can generate enough stomach acid to create an ulcer and then just eat through the side of our gut. It'll be awesome. Praise God. And then we'll pray to Jesus to heal us from the very ailment that we caused ourselves. <laughs> Don't you love it when it's funny and you're laughing and then you're like, oh, crap. The peace of God, it, please get this, the peace of God, it guards your heart and your mind. In other words, the peace of God, if you're allowing this to resonate in you, when you start worrying about something, you say there's no reason to worry about that because there's peace in God. Why am I worried about this Okay, let's be honest. At the beginning of COVID, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you were worried about finances at the very beginning of COVID? I'll raise my hand. I had thoughts of, oh my goodness. In fact, somebody even told me, I shared this at the beginning of COVID, somebody even shared with me, they said, another guy, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful for the church at the beginning. Of, this was back in March, February, March. He said, I'm fearful for the church because people will stop coming to church and then people will stop giving and then the church will implode and die. Number one, you can't kill the bride of Christ. Amen. Can't do it. But number two, look at what's happened. Right? People have given more than ever before. There's, there's this shift, but if you don't make the shift, you are still worried, and you're wondering why nobody else is worried like you, because the peace of God transcends all understanding. In other words, the peace of God, it don't make no sense, but it makes me live in a crooked, messed up world with a calmness and a peace and a tranquility that nobody else understands. It's just different. It's just different. Worry, fill in the blank. Worry is the opposite of peace. It's the opposite. All right, Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 25. Jesus said this, therefore I tell you, do not, what? Do not worry about your life. And let me just pause right there. Don't worry about your life. How much of us, again, I appreciate the interaction, I really do, but don't raise your hands right now. How many of us have genuinely worried about our lives over the last 10 months? I mean, genuinely. Maybe you didn't say anything, maybe you didn't post anything, but inside you there was this, this worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or drink or about your body what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. Okay, pay attention right here. I know the band is setting up behind me and it can be really distracting, but don't let it be distracting right here, okay? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And right here, watch this line. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, the reason we worry is because we think that we don't value, we are not valuable enough to the Heavenly Father for Him to take the time to take care of us. We think that if our finances fall short, God's not really going to take care of us because He doesn't care for us as much as what we need to be cared for. And that's just the wrong mindset. 
The very reason that we can go through what we're going through and not freak out is because we are his most valuable possession. And he will always take care, did you hear me? He will always take care of you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what a family member is going through, no matter what, last line, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? When we go through different things and we recognize this verse and when you really apply this verse, you begin to realize that most of what we deal with is actually God's responsibility. And the reason we're struggling with it is because we're trying to take his load from him. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He's here for you. And so this, this peace of God that's, that's in us, that's with us, this peace of God, it, it's like... It's like shining a light. When Jesus comes into your life, he shines a light in your soul. He is the light of the world. He shines a light in your soul. And listen, in your soul right now, lurking in the shadows of your soul, is fear and worry and anxiety. And we allow those things to stay there for a long time instead of allowing the light of Jesus Christ to shine brilliantly bright in our souls, to remove the shadows, the shadow of fear, the shadow of doubt, the shadow of anxiety, and let his beautiful light shine in every part of us. And then it shines out of us and through us to others. So during this holiday season, let me ask you a question. What's shining out of you? Is it fear, anxiety, worry? Or is it life and love and joy? because that's what's in you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in just a second, and I'm going to ask you, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you if you've never had that light invited in, if you've never allowed Jesus Christ to genuinely come inside of you, today's your day. I'm not going to invite you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you like that. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you are, and I'm going to pray for you. But here's what, I, here's what I'm saying. Some of you have been allowing the shadows of this world and the shadows of the fear and anxiety, all this stuff, to overwhelm your internal spiritual man, and you need Jesus Christ in you. He will make a difference. He will change your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for, just for a moment? Heavenly Father, I love you. We need you in this house. Lord, as the world is going one direction, your kingdom seems to be going another. But Father, I know this. Worry, anxiety, fear will overwhelm us. But yet, Lord, you are the light of the world. You are the light in our souls. And so today, we need you. And I know that there's people in this house and watching online that need you in their lives. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to them right now and let them know I'm talking to you. Right where you are, you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Just raise your hand up right where you are. Come on, throw it up. I'm not gonna, not, I'm gonna count. Hold it up. You're not alone. I'm looking at people with their hand up. You are not alone. We're in this together. One, two, three, four, five, six. Father, I thank you for these six hands. Father, I thank you. This is so exciting. And Lord, I just ask right now that you let your spirit blow into their souls, blow into their lives. Let the light of Jesus Christ remove every shadow of doubt, remove every shadow of fear, remove every shadow of worry. And Lord, let them experience life and life abundantly 
and let their lives never be the same again. Father, as they believe that you died on the cross in their sins and they're gonna tell everybody, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys do me a favor. We're gonna, we're gonna seal this thing today with a song. We're gonna close out with a song. Will you stand with me, if you will? And let's sing this together. He is, come on, he is the light of the world. Let's worship together this morning. There's two things that we seem to always have with us as Americans, and that's our cell phones and his peace. So do me a favor. Go ahead, pull out your cell phone for a second. Everybody grab your cell phone. Just take a minute. I know it's church. I'm sure most of you left your cell phones in the car. 
Not true. Not true. Grab your cell phones and turn the flashlight on. This might be that commercial, I don't have a flashlight. Yes, you do. We all do. It's right there. But I want us to finish out this song today and just be symbolic of the light of Jesus Christ that's in us. Do you realize when we leave this place, if we'll just let it shine, if we'll let it shine, look at how much it lights up the room, just our little flashlights. Look at how it lights up the room. Imagine no matter what's going on in our culture, in our society, doesn't matter what's going on with COVID, racial tension, politics, or anything else you wanna add to the list, the light of Jesus Christ outshines them all and can make a difference. So as we finish this song out, come on, go old school 80s, put that lighter in the air, and let's just worship the Lord together. Come on. Heavenly Father, we worship you in this house.
We love you. We adore you. We thank you for this moment in time right here, lifting you up and glorifying you. And let us always remember that this is all about you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being a part of humanity and walking the earth with us. And Lord, we celebrate your life and all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of me and my wife, man, Merry Christmas. We love you guys very much. Have a fabulous week, and we will see you in a couple weeks.